0: And what an appropriate song, it actually took me back almost 19 years ago and reminded me of a mission trip led by uh, Grace Kim and Mo, it's a team of about 12 of us, and that was one of the songs that we were singing during the time with the uh, people there, and uh, what a time of joy and celebration, and one of the interesting things that I remember about that time was that the hospitality and the generosity of our host home, uh, they, they did things for us that just blew us away. Uh, we, no washing machines, no, no you know, barely running water facilities. And they would actually wash our. We would go out and come back after a long day, and all of our clothes would be washed and, and folded and dried and everything. We were trying to figure out how do they do that without the modern washing machines and dryers and all that stuff? And uh, uh, we found out later on that they were actually giving us food that normally they wouldn't eat because it would be too expensive. And so we were partaking. They were just giving, giving, <coughs> giving of, uh, in, in such a spirit. Uh, you probably know where I'm going with this. We've been on a journey over the last several weeks exploring what it means to be in community as God's kingdom people or as James Bryan Smith, the book that we've been using he refers to it as a good and beautiful community Today and next Sunday you stuck with me today and next Sunday Pastor Scott is on vacation today. I consider it an honor and a privilege to be able to worship with you and be here and give him a break, of course. Today and next Sunday, we explore what it means to be a generous community. I want you to get this piece right here. If, if you don't grab anything today, let this resonate with you because I'm going to come back to it next Sunday as we unpack it a little bit deeper. But the gist of today's message is simply that, and this is not my quote, this is James Bryan Smith. I thought it was so appropriate. I said, I'm going to use that as the main point today. We put, when we put the kingdom of God, please hear this. We know that the kingdom of God, if you're not familiar with that whole theology, when you say the kingdom of God, you are speaking about the reign and the rule and authority of God. So when you say the kingdom of God, it is the reign or rule or authority of God. That language is all throughout the New Testament. When we put the kingdom of God at the center of of our lives by surrendering to God's will everything we need will be provided for us let me say that again because this is very key don't miss this when we put the kingdom of God at the center of our lives by surrendering to God his will everything we need will be provided for us this is essentially as James Bryan Smith says this is essentially the promise of kingdom economics. When you speak about what we own in this world, one of the pieces that's incredibly important is to know from the beginning that we own nothing. Ownership, when it comes to ownership, God owns it all. We don't own anything. In fact, the psalmist would say in Psalm 24, 1 and 2, the earth is the Lord's and everything in the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Everything belongs to God. I'm going to make this a clear point over and over. I'm going to talk about this because one of the misnomers in our time Depending on what camp you're in, and when I say what camp you're in, where, where, where do you, where, where, what's your mindset? Where are you camping out in terms of, of this whole generosity thing and giving and all of this kind of stuff? You have to start in the right place. The foundation of the kingdom of God's economy, I'm referring to this as a kingdom of God economy because there's one mindset that's the world's economy, the way the world understands, and there's a mindset that says there's, it's about kingdom economy. So there's two different camps. The foundation of the kingdom of God's economy is access. Access is more powerful than ownership. Let me say that again. The key to this whole kingdom of God economy is access. Access is more important than ownership. The foundation of the world's economy is is, is private ownership. That's where the world starts with. They start at this place of private ownership. It, it's it's it, 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 it's it's this understanding. This kingdom of God economy, you have to understand from this place that God, Christ is Lord of all. And when you speak about the Lordship of Christ, you have to speak about who owns it. Because when you when, I think the, uh, the Hebrews would say Adonai, Lord is possessor. In other words, he owns everything. Why am I making a big deal of this? Because If you stumble at this piece, please hear me. If you stumble at this piece, none of this stuff is going to make sense to you. Because the temptation is to go through this world believing that you actually have owned, you own something and you've been entitled to it because you worked for it or you inherited it. Let me give you an idea of how this thing pans out in terms of the world's economy versus God's kingdom economy. And I'm sorry, I don't have a, this on a, the screen there. We'll have it next time. When you talk about... I'm going I'm to list several areas, and then I'm going to make this comparison. Stay with me on this. When you talk about the area of provision, the world says it's all about financial independence. In God's camp, it's all about God is the provider. When you talk about the area of financial security, the world says it's all about how much I can get, how much I can store up, how much I can hold on to. In God's camp, we simply say it comes from God. Everything is about God. When you talk about possessions in the world's economy, it's 100% mine. In God's camp, it's 100% God's. When you talk about the area of talent and gifts, the world says, hey, I inherited it, and I just simply need to develop it and make more of it. And that's not a bad thing. But in God's perspective, it's a God-given thing. See where I'm going with this. When you talk about life's pursuit, life's goal, in the world's camp, it's about acquiring things. I got to buy another property. I got to get more of this. I got to have the next size TV. I got my 50 inches and enough. I got to go to 80 inch. Oh, that 80 inch, I got to go to 100. It it, it just goes on and on. It's it's about getting more. In God's camp, it's not about acquiring things. It's about serving God. When you speak about who is served, the world economy says it's about money. It's about stuff. It's about the God of consumerism. The God that says, you better get it while the getting's good because it may not be there at that price again. So even though I have three already, I'm going to buy another one because it's at a good price. In God's camp, it's about serving God. The mindset in the world's economy is temporal. It's worldly. In God's camp, it's eternal. It's a different perspective altogether. In our text before us, I just want to read it because it's, it, it's, it's, I just gave you just the, just the part of the text. There's a whole discussion there in chapter 6 of Matthew. And this text that we chose for this piece today Is Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Just to give you a backdrop of what that's about, because that's just one part of the, the whole passage in, in chapter 6. Recall that in Matthew, as in, Mark, as in Luke, there's the, it's the Lord's Prayer. And so it's sermon of the Sermon on the Mount. And at one point in this sermon, God, Jesus is telling them, you pray like this. And he mentions something about the kingdom. We often fly right past this piece that speaks about the kingdom. Your kingdom come. And we forget that that's the kingdom theology is a significant piece of what we are about as a community saying that we are redeemed people. Because kingdom people have the mindset that God's kingdom is a priority. Because kingdom people realize that in this world, it, it goes nowhere fast. But in God's kingdom, God's program is going on and on and on and on. And so there's a different, there's a shift. There's a different mindset happening with God's program. In the Sermon on the Mount, he starts in in verse 10. It talks about your kingdom come. And then he goes on in verse 19 and 20. Treasures on earth versus treasures in heaven. He says there's this mindset that, that you can have treasures here or you can have treasures in glory, in heaven. This doesn't resonate with us real fast because most of us will say, well, I can't see it. I want it right now. And the reality is that that instant kind of, I gotta have it right now, doesn't work in the kingdom of God because what you want to have or what you think you have is really, it's God's anyway. Jesus goes on to say that Where you put your treasures, watch it now, that's where your heart is. And so it's a very, very subtle indictment that moves us into this place as kingdom people of helping us realize that it's a priority of God's kingdom work and we are kingdom people and we're about God's business. And then in verse 24, he goes on to say, Well, which one are you going to serve? Serve God? We serve money? investments, but you can't do both. You and I cannot serve both places because one you will end up hating and despising. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When I I was going through this text and, and we're talking about how do, we, how do we move from the world's economy into the, the, the kingdom of God, God's economy, kingdom economy? And one of the things that I, I, I looked at here and I, I, I said, wow, I, I, I've never seen that before. There's this repetition. And one of the things you do in scripture is as you're reading through a passage, if the writer is repeating something again and again and again and again, usually that's indicative that that's significant. And so in this passage, I looked at and it was like six times the word anxious. Do not be anxious. And I said, hmm. First he's talking about where your treasures are and money and which which one do you honor, which one do you... And, and then he said, don't be anxious. And the reason I I came to this, it, it, it's like... He knows that the temptation for us, as it was for his audience, is for us to become anxious, to become so caught up in in trying to figure out where we land in terms of ownership of stuff and, and, and investments and all of that. It creates this disconnect within us. It's a feeling of anxiety, a feeling of worry, a nervousness, or unease, or <coughs> excuse me, that something bad is going to happen, and so I got to be proactive. I got to do something. I got to control this. I got to invest this. I got to make sure that this is safe and this is secure. And so I looked, and I said... Why does he use that word anxious? Is there something more going on there? And in our English translation, do we miss it? And so I said, oh, well, come on, Ollie. Go look at the Greek and see what the Greek says. And when I went back, I said, oh, I've never seen that before. Marineo speaks about anxiety. That's the word for anxiety in the Koine Greek. It says to go to pieces, to be pulled apart, to be pulled in different directions. To be divided or distracted. And so what the writer is saying, what Jesus is saying, is don't be divided, don't be pulled apart with this world stuff. Don't get yourself so caught up that you're so distracted and so pulled apart that you cannot focus on the main thing, which is the kingdom of God, the reign and the rule of God. That's the purpose for kingdom people. The danger. the danger is for us not to realize it. And when you and I do not realize that we have become caught up in distraction, and we become, we, we're pulled apart, then we cannot be a generous community. And I'm not just talking money. I'm talking time, talent, giving of your time and your talent? How you invest your time? How do you invest your, your, your talents, your gifts God has given you? Part of the driver behind this anxiety thing The reason Jesus is saying, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. In verse 34, he says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own troubles. In other words, Jesus is saying, you know what? You can't do anything about tomorrow. You and I have no control over tomorrow. We have no control over yesterday. Today is the day the Lord has given us. Rejoice, and be glad in this day. I work with a guy who I'm a little nervous about because I've been at the company long enough to see people walk out the door because they spend a lot of time at their desk doing their stocks, investments, checking the stocks, checking the investments, moving stuff around. You look up and you spend two, three, four hours and you're but that's not what you paid for. And people have been walked out the door for that. And this one particular individual I know came to me the other day. We were talking. I said, hey, uh, uh, I said, what's wrong? You, you look kind of down. He says, well, I, I moved some stocks into what was a sure thing with this medical thing that was going on, this promising uh, drug of some sort. And he said, it turned out that they they did something and then they didn't announce it until 24 hours later. He says, and I lost about $125,000 just like that. And he says, I am very, very angry. And I said, oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. That's too bad. But if you're caught up in trying to make money, Because you don't understand, and we're going to talk about this next Sunday, and so put this in the back of your mind as we say, put it in the parking lot for right now. If you don't understand the theology of enough. You see, therein is the real issue. It is a problem of not understanding contentment and what it means to be content. And so the world is on this fast track of trying to acquire, trying to get more hoarding and hoarding and hoarding and, 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 and it's not satisfied. And we as the people of God are saying no. We're marching to the cadence of a different drummer because we recognize that it all belongs to God. And what that means for us is we have access Whatever God has, we have access to it. That's what that means. I like what Paul says in Philippians, Do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6-7. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 God has already promised that he's going to take care of us. We put the kingdom of God at the center of our lives by surrendering to his will. Everything we need will be provided for us. So we say with confidence, the writer of Hebrews says in 13:6, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? You know, fear is one of the things that creeps into the lives of a lot of us. And we're well-meaning. We want to serve God. We want to do for God. We want to do great things. But the thing that gets in the way is fear. I believe as a side note that it's one of the things that's driving the issue right now in this country in terms of race relations and people stuff not just in Texas but all over this country it's fear when we as the people of God realize that God is the one who provides for us there's no fear There's no fear. Proverbs 38 and 9, chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. And this this is a piece that helped me kind of frame this. I want to learn to be content with what God has given me. And I want to learn to be in a place where I don't have to stress out over what, what I don't have and, and, and getting more and all of that stuff. I want to be in a place where, where there, there, there's, a, there's a sense of balance. So the writer in Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. In other words, what I need. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? In other words, you get felt full and then and you forget where it came from. Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I told somebody the other day, they were saying that the lottery, oh, are you going to play the lottery? The lottery is whatever it was the other day. And it's like, no. And I said, and if I did, And if I did win, what would you do? What would you do if you won all of that money? (coughs) I said, you're probably going to think I'm crazy when I say this. I said, I'd give away just about all of it. He looked at me like I had a horn growing out of my head. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah, I'm serious. Why do I say that? Because I I wouldn't need, what was it, some 400 million? I don't know what it was. but what it, I wouldn't need that in my lifetime or my kids' lifetime. Their, their kids, their kids, I wouldn't need that. But the mindset behind the whole lottery is you get all of this, and oh, yeah, and I've heard people, Christian folks, say, well, I'm going to give to the Lord. I'm going to give the Lord his part. Yeah, right. That sounds good. It sounds very spiritual to say that, but the reality is that most of the time we're not going to be thinking about the church. That's just the reality of it. If I was into playing, I, w- I would pray, and hey God, God, g- help me to be a- satisfied with whatever piece, just sm- and give it away. And I, it's not original with me, by the way. There was a couple about six, seven years ago who... Uh, they were in their 60s or something their late 60s and they won the lottery down in Florida and it was something like like 150 million or something like that that they won and they were being interviewed by the news people the local news people said oh so it's just you and your wife here and uh, what, what are you going to do with 150 million dollars and, and, and both of them looked at this and said oh we, we, we gave away about 95% of it you gave it away yeah no, we just gave it away We don't need that. How would you and I, as as a generous community, if we had the mindset that we were so convinced that God was going to provide for our every need in now and in the future, that we could just simply be so open and so giving in our spirit, of our time, our talents, our monies, And the money becomes an issue because it's the thing that's very easy for us to kind of like, it's mine. I've earned it. I went to school, and not only did I go to school, I went to a good school, and I was like magna cum laude. I, 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 I did really hard work. I did all the stuff I needed to do. I've earned this. I got the interview. I snatched it just like that. I got the top position. I'm good to go. Notice how many times I said, I, 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 me, me. And God is saying, this is where you need to shift. Where you begin to say, no, it's not about what, 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 what I want, what I've achieved. Let me say this. There's no one sitting here today, right now, today. You have what you have because God's grace and his mercy and me. God has given it to us. Not one of us can dare sit here today and claim that we have anything that we've owned, we've earned on our own. The very school you went to, the education you got, your children, your home, everything, whatever it is you have in your bank account, it belongs to God. God. And the reason God has given it to you is so that you can use it for the advancement of his kingdom. Because we are kingdom people. Somebody once said that if, if, if we had this mindset in the world today, we could eliminate starvation in the whole entire world. The reason we have starvation in the world today is because some people want to have a little bit more than what they need to have. That's the reality of it. The remedy. We need to reset our minds. Reset our mindset and recover our true sense of purpose. Reset our mindset and recover our true sense of purpose. God has already defined our true sense of purpose through his son Jesus Christ. Christ, our redeemer. Basically put us in a different realm. We're in a different place now. We're in God's kingdom as kingdom people. And now we, we, we move in that place. We operate in that place. Whatever God blesses us with, we consider it as an opportunity to be able to bless others. You have a six-figure income, you have money, you have properties, you have stocks, whatever you have, you have degrees that you could plaster the whole wall. Whatever you have, God has blessed you with it so that you can be a blessing to others and advance his kingdom when people see, wow, wow. I think sometimes, sometimes we we, we want the next thing because we're convinced that I, I, I need to get it because I, I, it's there for me. It's like the children of Israel when they, when they, the whole manna thing, and you know that story, and they just, you know, God told them, hey, hey, get, get this much. Because if you don't get the, if you get, if you get more than this, and, and some, they, they messed it up. Some people were getting too much, and then there was a shortage, so they had to come out and say, no, no, get it only an Omer. The tendency for our hearts is to hoard and that's the thing we have to constantly fight against and that's the way you test yourself as a generous community you test yourself to say God am I hoarding anything here whether it's my time, my talent, am I, am I wasting my time, time that you've given me any talents or ability, am I wasting it am i truly giving myself over to your glory so that somebody will see what i'm doing and say why are you doing that and i can say because of jesus christ my lord and savior because he has redeemed me and he can redeem you too by the blood of christ to give me an opportunity to share the gospel that's what it's really about When we put the kingdom of God at the center of our lives for surrendering to God's will, everything we need will be provided for us. That's the nature of this. Let me leave you with this. I love the book of Ecclesiastes and I was telling the brothers uh, one, one night we were meeting on Wednesday night men's meeting that I love this book because it helps me to reframe stuff when I when I start to shift a little bit it kind of brings it back in perspective for me because it has some stuff that kind of like whoa wow all is vanity all is vanity a chasing after the wind all is vanity a chasing after the wind it's kind of down in the dumps a little bit and you can kind of get depressed if you get but but you have to you have to read and kind of understand the the end of it, how this the wisest man that ever lived came to a conclusion about what it was all about. Hear the words of the preacher Koheleth. He says, he says in chapter five verse ten. He says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Vanity translates in in the in the Hebrew as it's chasing. It's, it's empty. It's, it's like a wind. It just, it's nothing. Nothing. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So the more you get, the more you're going to consume or somebody's going to consume it for you. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he eats a little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt and those riches were lost in a bad venture. Remember the friend at work? And he is a follower's son, but he has nothing in his hand. It's all vanity. A chasing after the wind. That's why kingdom minded people, if you're going to be a a generous community you have to reset how you understand what kingdom, what side are you going to camp under in God's economy that's about access not about accumulation, not about getting or man's economy that says I got to get, while the getting's good, I got to get as much as I can get I gotta make the right moves with my career. And I'm not saying that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying it becomes an unhealthy place if if that becomes your purpose in life. It's all about the next promotion, it's all about the next car, it's all about the new investment, it's all about watching the stocks. Some people were thrown off with Brexit. I had somebody at my job, I heard they were cursing. Oh, 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 I lost, oh, I lost this. Well, well, if that's what your life is about, then yeah, you're going to be frustrated. But when you and I are convinced that God owns it all, and we're simply stewards to what God has blessed, we can be the community that God has called us to be. Let me leave you with this one thing that I want you to just ponder on this, take it with you as we move into next week. Ask yourself, am I truly convinced, you don't have to tell me, am I truly convinced that God owns everything? My children, my home, my job, that it's all, it's all belongs to God. And if God should choose to touch it and say, I need that. Not that God needs anything, but if God should choose to put his hand, are you okay with it? Or would you kick and scream and tighten up your grip because it's gone now? Or would you say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away"? blessed be the name of the Lord. It's a whole different mindset. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. For you indeed are the giver of life. In fact, you gave your son that we would have life and have it more abundantly. Thank you for Jesus Christ who demonstrated the ultimate sacrifice by giving his life, his blood, shed for us that we would be a redeemed people and that we too would be able to give of ourselves for the kingdom advancement. Bless us as we ponder these things over the next week. In the precious and matchless name of Jesus Christ, amen.